0: Uh, All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up to Acts chapter number 4 and uh, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated men, uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. This is the day that you've made, and we celebrate you. Jesus, may we experience your grace. Holy Spirit, may, we, may your presence be palpable. May it be tangible in this room. Lord, we pray that um, oldest of prayers, vainly, sanctified spirit is come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Some years ago, I was having a conversation with a, uh, a fellow coworker of mine, and uh, um, and he was telling me about uh, uh, playing him trying out for basketball in high school. And I was like, okay, uh, because we played one on one. I was like, oh yeah, he, yeah. Anyway, so. Um, and, uh, and so he was telling me a story that he tried, and what he did is he, he went and he grabbed him a video of the best player in the NBA, Michael Jordan. And, and that night before, he watched the video, and uh, the next day he went and stepped on the court with some Jordan shoes on, a Jordan jersey on, but to his dismay, he didn't make the team. And, the reality is it typically it doesn't work that way. You don't watch a video one day and then go perform. He hadn't practiced Jordan's moves. He didn't know Jordan's footwork. He hadn't developed his work ethic or, uh, or had his basketball IQ or philosophy. He didn't understand the way he thought about the game, nor did he have the God-given athletic ability to do what Jordan can actually do. He was simply just a fan, a distant admirer. And in fact, no one would have ever known um, that he had watched that video the night before because he didn't look like Michael Jordan. See, to be like Mike, you've got to have Mike's ethic. You have to have Mike's... Uh, footwork. You have to have Mike's train of thought. You you've got to. You have to practice. It's it, it's kind of like you know we can't be like followers or disciples of Jesus by by hearing a few sermons. Uh, All sermons are good. It, it takes a it takes a passionate curiosity uh, to follow. It takes a passionate commitment to follow. It takes a a passionate courage to follow. It takes a death to follow. It takes an eager desire to be with Jesus. Uh, I don't know if 2020 went the way that you expected it to go, Uh, or even 2021. Uh, But, you know, for years, America has touted that, you know, we are this Judeo-Christian nation with these Judeo-Christian values, but in 2020, you may not have been able to tell amen, uh, the pandemic, uh, the injustice, the election, it's the perfect pie, uh, or a, a cocktail of crisis, if you will. Uh, but in that, we saw we are, our, our natures were unveiled, and it's kind of how they would say too often, we have grown up into church, but not grown up into Christ. Uh, the, this crisis cocktail exposed us, uh, exposed our failure in discipleship. Many have said that the church in America is a, is a mile wide but an inch deep. We might look the part and have the, the, the uh, Christianese, but we need to be disciples the failure that we discovered in 2020 was a failure of discipleship, a failure in following, a failure in learning the ways of Jesus, a failure in imitating the ways of Jesus. Like these elders of Israel says that we perceive that we look, and these guys were uneducated, they were uh, uncom- I mean, they were common men. But they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. Jesus tells them in Mark chapter 1, he says, says, follow me and I will make you. If you will follow him, he will make you. If you will follow him, you will become like him. You got to follow to become. You can't (laughs) be at a distance with Jesus and be like Jesus. When I read the the story of John and Peter and them perceive and they recognize that they had been with Jesus, it makes me ask the question, who have you been with that others recognize? Who have you been with that others recognize? Like, you know, my my youngest daughter, she's dating. She's a senior, not in uh, high school, but a senior in college, going into her senior year, and um, this is actually, um, it was her, her first date, it was a whole, whole thing, and um, but she's been on the phone with this dude all the time. I, I, I go in her room, and she's FaceTiming him. You know, I used to have this rule, no, like, no boys in room, that includes FaceTime. Um, but they spend time together at school, and, and so the other day we were at, uh, at lunch with her dad, uh, um, or I guess a, a late luncheon. And we're like, you know, every so often we're like, Zoe, you sound like Eli. He's says, right, that's right. Every so often he says, Eli, you sound like Zoe. In other words, that she's been with them and we can recognize uh, the influence that this person has had on their life. See, who you are with matters. Uh, whoever the dominant voices are in your life, they matter. I was telling someone once, probably about a year and a half ago, um, uh, and um, I said, you probably listen to this entertainer more than you spend time with your pastor. He's probably the dominant voice. He may be your shepherd. You, sometimes we don't actually know who are, who's shepherding us. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm going to leave that alone. But if we're going to be these passionate followers of Jesus, we have to understand what it means to be a disciple, a learner, or a mentee, uh, an apprentice. Discipleship means that I must be a curious follower. I've got to have some curiosity. I've, I've got to want to know something about you. I, 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 got to, I got to want to know you in and, and my story of my friend who says, listen, I'm going to step on that court because I watched a Michael Jordan video and, and you know, to make he, he didn't look nothing like Jordan. Well, there's a man uh, who played basketball that looked like Jordan. They asked Michael Jordan the question, out of all the players today, who do you think could beat you in a one-on-one match? And he, he says, well, Kobe Bryant. And they said, well, why do you think? He said, because he stole all my moves. He stole all my moves. In other, in, other, in other words, he was trying to imitate me. He, he had this great curiosity. In fact, so much so that they are in a game. This is a live game situation. And Kobe's asking Michael Jordan, how do you do this? How do you do that? In the middle of the game, he was so curious. That he's asking him questions in the game. You know, how do you feel the defender? He says, Mike says, "Well, I feel him on my de- uh, uh, with my legs," and you can literally see the conversation happening on the court while they're competing. Why? Because discipleship means, or or it, it, it means that we must be a curious follower. James uh, K. Smith, as he begins to talk about. In his book, You Are What You Love, he says, You are what you love because you live toward what you want. You live toward what you want. In other words, how is your, what is your wanter like? What are the things that you want? And when you approach Jesus, what do you want from Jesus? In the story of Jesus' first disciples in John 1, chapter 30, uh, John 1, verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them follow, and he said to them, What are you seeking? What do you want? What do you want? Really, the reality is that discipleship can begin at the discovery of what it is that I want from Jesus. Do you just want the good life, whatever you think the good life is? Or do you, or do you want to be like him? Do you want to learn from him? Jesus what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. They said to him, we want to learn from you. Do you want to learn from Jesus? Is that what you want? And they said, where, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One, of, those, one of, uh, of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. You see, the, the beginnings of even Peter's discipleship was Andrew's curiosity. Curiosity means something. But the reality is that we're only curious into the things that we value or we ascribe some kind of worth to. Andrew is describing. And he leaves John the Baptist and says, because John says, Behold the Lamb of God. He says, Listen, I love you, John, but man, I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the Lamb of God. John, I love you, but I, I value Jesus. And so they go, and, and, and they stand behind him, curiously follow him, and, and Jesus turns and says, what? what are you seeking? Rabboni, Rabbi, teacher, we want to learn from you. Discipleship means that you've got to be a curious follower, but not only do you need to be a curious follower. Uh, discipleship means I must, or we must, be committed learners. Committed learners. We must be students. Hmm. In my story of uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, Kobe would say I would spend hours watching tape. many of that's a commitment. Oftentimes, commitment requires a cost. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him uh, to hear a word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, let's ask the question, they were washing their nets, what does that mean? They were done. They're done, but now getting into one of the boats. Wait, they're done. But Jesus now getting into one of the boats, which was Simon asked him to put out a little further. Wait a minute. He's done. You realize that commitment requires for us to be inconvenienced. <laughs> I read the story, now, I'm, I, it makes me laugh. I, I, I think that perhaps Peter was thinking, okay, we're well, going to push out for a little further, and he probably said, hey, Siri, set a timer for 25 minutes. 25 minutes, starting now. That's funny. But the Bible says that, but Jesus sat down. He puts out further, and Jesus sits down. I mean, Jesus has been known to preach a message or or be on a missionary trip for three days. But they were done. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. and, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, wait a minute. They're washing their nets because they're done, right? Jesus does a teaching, right? And he says, Lord, Master, we've toiled all night. So I'm, I'm suggesting possibly that Peter was tired. Possibly he was like, okay, how long is this gonna be? Because I'm tired. I worked all night. I I not only did I work all night, I got nothing. I don't know if, if it makes you more exhausted when you realize my trip wasn't even successful. <laughs> he's tired in disappointment, but he's about to learn something because committed. You, As disciples, we must be committed learners. He's committed to, to hearing and, and following the voice of Jesus, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and, and, their nets were, uh, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink but when Simon Peter saw it, he, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He learned, he learned in his commitment the power of Jesus. He learned in his commitment the power of the word of Jesus. He learned in his commitment to Jesus, to, his commitment to follow the distance between him and Jesus. Oh Lord, I'm a sinful man. Something's different about you. When we walk with God, when we walk with Jesus, and we are committed learners, we discover like the angels did, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's different. There's something that happens when we're committed learners. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of a fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, uh, you will be catching men. Uh, From now on, if you follow me, I will make you. If you follow me, you will become fishers of men. God is trying to make us into something. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They looked at all that they had and said, well, that's nice, but boy, you are so much better. Well, that's good, but man, this is better. Man, that, that's great, but this, Jesus, you are greatest. I'm going to leave good for greatest. What have you left to follow Jesus? What what else might you need to leave? Because you say, that's good, but he's greater. See, are committed learners, they, 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 they leave nothing, they, they, I mean, they, they have nothing left to go back to that G- Peter would actually say when Jesus asked after he had given a hard saying, he says he says to the 12, John 6, 68, do you want to leave too? But Simon and Peter replied, Lord, to whom when I go, you, have, uh, you alone have the words of eternal life. Well, there's no place that I can go that's as good as you. He's committed to a learner a committed learner, he's a, he's a committed learner, he's a committed learner. He's attached himself to Jesus. Simon and Andrew, they leave their nets, they left their business to follow Jesus. James and John, they left their father or their authority to follow Jesus. Victor Coplin of Palm Beach Atlantic University said it like this. It is beyond dispute that the phrase disciple of was often the technical designation for one who has attached himself formally to a teacher. They leave to cleave. Jim Wilder of the great book Renovate Tells the story of him spending time with Dallas Willard, famous Christian philosopher and theologian. Dallas Willard sat across from me with tears in his eyes as he looked at the floor. Dallas only had weeks to live, but his tears were not for his own life. He's thinking about you and I. What I he's, Dallas says, what I've learned in this last year is more important than what I learned in the rest of my life but I have no time to write about it. I'll try to finish the projects that I've started. He says, listen, what I've learned in one year is more important than i learned in my whole life. And Jim Watson, he looked looked up at me, and I wondered if he was thinking about our conversation or something else. He says, you need to write about this, Dallas said. His voice was steady, but with a mounting passion. He says, I know of no soteriology or doctrine of salvation based on forming a new attachment with God. That salvation is forming a new attachment. Di- discipleship is about a, a new attachment with God. It's not simply about your salvation. It's about how, how do I become now a disciple? disciple hap- discipleship happens... When we're committed learners, when we've attached ourselves to Jesus. Not only do we need to be curious followers and committed learners, but discipleship means I must be a courageous imitator. A courageous imitator. The story of Kobe and Michael Jordan is Mike says he stole our. Music. In other words, he's trying to be just like me. So much so that if you ever had a conversation or listen to Kobe talk, you're like, man, he sounds like Michael Jordan in his speech pattern. Like he studied him that much because he's gonna be a courageous imitator. And the reason I say courageous imitator is because listen. Imitating takes you, can take you out your comfort zone. Um, naturally, naturally, I am an introvert. Uh, when I go into crowds of people I do not know, I'm nervous. And most people don't understand that about me because most of my jobs have been speaking. I'd go in schools and I would teach. And one time I was teaching and I, I left a class and, and I went to my, uh, back to my desk and uh, sat down and kind of read a book and, and my coworker complained to our boss like, he doesn't like me, he's mean, we're in class and he's all bubbly and making the kids laugh. But after it's over, he sits down and he doesn't even talk to me. Well, it's because I'm an introvert. But because most of my jobs are communication, she missed it. But I, I am naturally an introvert. And so sometimes, you know, God gets me out of my comfort zone. I have to be a courageous imitator. And so I like to go for jogs, and so I run about two miles three days a week. And I'm, I'm running, and ever so often the Holy Spirit would nudge me and say, Hey, I need you to go pray for that guy. I'm like, uh, Lord, uh, he looks all right. And I passed him up and he's like, uh, I thought I said. And I'm like, uh. um, and you have to know, I wear bright colors. I have the 5 toe shoes. I look like a weirdo. Um, the Lord kind of highlighted you to me. And um, uh, is it okay if I pray for you? This guy stops and begins to bawl got to be somewhere between 48, 55. Just begins to ball and begins to share a little bit of a story. And I got the opportunity to pray for him, but it was out of my comfort zone. Another time, I'm, I'm doing my little, I'm like the running evangelist. No, I'm running, I'm doing this thing, I uh, should say running prayer. And God's like, hey, I want you to stop and pray for that guy. And I go, ah. he's at the car wash, smoking a, mar- a joint. And I'm like, uh, this is going to be interesting. Okay. Well, hey, bro, uh, the Lord um, highlighted me. I think I should, he, uh, can. I pray for you. The dude gave me the hike, and he was like, "Like okay." So I kept running. Two weeks later, I'm running, and the bro, he stops and says, "Hey man, can you pray for me?" And every time I see him, every so often he's like, "Hey man, thank you for praying for me." It's those moments that I'm I'm trusting the nudge of Jesus. Trusting the nudge of the spirit. I mean, we got to trust this nudge. It's a courageous imitator. It's doing the stuff of Jesus. It's Matthew 14, 28, 31. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. In other words, Peter says, listen, Lord, I, I, I'm a curious follower. I'm a committed learner, but now I'm going to be a courageous imitator. If it's you... Let me do the same thing. It's it's the ability to do the stuff of Jesus. It's not let me cram my brain with all these, uh, you know, all these data points. That's wonderful. We should read and memorize Scripture, but we've got to get up and do the stuff of Scripture. Because discipleship is not just information. Discipleship is also Demonstration. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Peter is now doing the stuff. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, and began, to sink, began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? One of the ways that we spell faith is R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. Clement of Alexandria, one of the church fathers, says, The noblest of disciples are imitators of the teacher. Like the best of disciples are those who imitate him, who do, who, do uh, who does the things that he does. See, there's this difference. Like, you know, we, too often we sit there and we pray and say, Lord, make me a generous person. You know how you become a generous person? By being generous. In other words, it's the practice of giving. The way that you grow in that virtue is just by giving. It's not like a lightning bolt moment, boom, now I'm a giver. No, it's the practice, Lord, this is uncomfortable, but I'm a gift. Lord, this is uncomfortable, but I'm a gift. Lord, man, this is uncomfortable, but I'm a gift. Oh, I'm just giving. Oh, I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Do you need something? I've got something for you. One man said like this when when we ask God, will you make me patient? Does God make you patient or give you opportunities to be patient? But in the kingdom of God, we learn that we might imitate. So we do read and we study so that we can imitate, but we also imitate so that we can learn. There are some things you'll never learn until you start imitating, until you start doing the stuff. See, imitation matters. See, uh, in discipleship, as they begin to study discipleship, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the Gospels, uh, they talk about... Uh, the Greek word is used as disciples, as learners, but in Paul's letters, it wasn't simply learners, it was imitators. In other words, part of discipleship is not just learning, it's imitating. That's why he would say in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 11:1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imitation, imitation matters, unless you're using vanilla. You want the real stuff, I'm sorry. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. How do you do this? How do you get to the place where... And they recognize that these were uneducated, common men, but they realized they had been with Jesus. Like, they're recognizing. I mean, no, they're not recognizing the scriptures they memorized. The scripture says, when they saw their boldness, they, they had just wrought a miracle, and the man leaps up and he dances and when the elders saw their boldness, in other words, it's something that can be seen. They were imitating Jesus' boldness. They could see it. But how do you go from being this curious follower? How do you get from a curious follower to, man, we recognize it even with Jesus? How do you go from a committed learner to, and they recognize that they had been with Jesus. How how do you go from this courageous imitator, and and they realize that they had been with Jesus. I believe because they discover that Jesus wanted to be with them. See, it's not, it's not enough for you to want to be with Jesus. You need to know that Jesus wants to be with you. Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And when he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. So that they might be with him. Jesus wants you to be with him. The first priority is not the preaching. The first priority is to be with him. The first priority is not to have authority over demons. The first priority is to be with him. And he appointed the 12 whom he, he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Listen, what empowers the preaching is the witness of God. That when you step out, people are like, man, I think they've been with Jesus. What gives authority? Is witness. Listen, if you're going to have a powerful witness, you need a powerful witness. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Not nation states, ethnicities, cultural groups. Make disciples, learners, those that would would study and imitate. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age uh, uh, here baptizing them in the name now in the name simply means in the nature of name in nature or name and character they go hand in so in other words Jesus is listen, baptizing them in the nature of the father baptize them in the nature of, of Jesus baptize them in the nature or the character of the Holy Spirit Baptism is immersion, immersing, immersing them in the nature of the Father. Paul would write uh, in, in, in Corinthians, he says, let the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you now. In other words, he says, uh, uh, baptize them in the nature of the love of God. Immerse them in the Father's love. Do you know that the Father loves you? You need to be immersed in the Father's love. Immersion in the Father's love is what creates security in our hearts. But not only are we to be immersed in the Father's love, we ought to be immersed in the grace of the Lord Jesus. I've never earned a single thing. God is just simply good. I have two major abiding convictions: is that God is really good, and I am deeply loved by Him. And baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit and the, and the nature, and he says, "And let the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with." you all. So as I'm going out and, and I'm making disciples, they don't see nor flut. They see the Father's love. They see the grace of the Lord Jesus. They see um, the tangible uh, movement of the Spirit, both in power and in character, both in gifting and in fruit. Because, friends, who you're with matters. And it begins when we follow Jesus. And if we follow him, we'll become like him. So, Papa, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you. For the fellowship of the Spirit, I pray that you would empower us, that we might be courageous imitators, oh God. Oh God, that we might be committed learners and that we'd be curious followers so that the nations could know that we've been with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, God bless you. Thank you for having me.